Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we explore the emotional and promotional sides of the job search and help you change careers with confidence. My name is Martin McGovern, lead coach and founder of Career Therapy, an all-inclusive coaching program that gives you the step-by-step guide to find work that's right for you. If you're watching this episode on Spotify or YouTube, you may notice that I look a little bit different this week. I'm currently growing a mustache for Movember in support of men's mental health and testicular cancer research. If you would like to donate to that cause, you can in the link in the description of this episode. It goes to a great organization and I hope you'll support it. But back to today's topic, I'm excited to welcome Mac Pritchard to the podcast today. Mac is the founder and publisher of Mac's List, a job board in the Pacific Northwest with a mission to make hiring more human, as well as the author of Land Your Dream Job Anywhere and the host of a weekly career advice podcast entitled Find Your Dream Job. Definitely check out everything that Mac is working on. He puts out a lot of great information. Today, we talk about how to focus your job search goals, build a strong network, and utilize job boards effectively in order to make your next career change. If you are enjoying this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or share this episode with a friend. And if you need help with your job search, head on over to careertherapy.com to learn about our variety of coaching options. Thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Mac Pritchard. All right, Mac, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited to chat with you and get into your breadth of knowledge around job boards, you know, and everything involved in the job search. So I'd love to just kick things off. Give us a little bit of your history in, you know, the job search world and, and your knowledge, like, you know, how did you get into this space and what have you been building over the years? What have you been working on? Well, I run a regional job board in the Pacific Northwest. I'm based in Portland, Oregon. It's called maxlist.org. And we provide about a thousand job postings a month from employers in Oregon and Washington. What distinguishes our site from a lot of the other great uh, job boards out there is that we provide lots and lots of free content about how to look for work and how to hire smarter. Uh, we do that, Martin, because uh, many job seekers just haven't had formal training in job search skills. And many of the employers that we serve are smaller organizations. And as I think you know, uh, typically uh, an employer might not add an HR person until they're, they have 25 or more employees. So uh, many of our customers are posting positions with us and they haven't been formally trained in recruitment and how to write a posting. So we plug both of those gaps through lots of education and outreach. And uh, we do that because our mission is to make hiring more human. So many people get frustrated when they look for work and, and HR directors and recruiters tell us they get frustrated looking for great people too. And we try to help change that through our work at MaxList. I love that phrase, make hiring more human, because it is really one of those things that as you talk to job seekers, it, man, it really doesn't feel human to so many people, yeah. right? They're, they're almost like, what is happening out there? I thought I knew how this process worked. I thought I knew how to get jobs 15 years ago, the last time I was looking for a job. It all seemed so straightforward, but now... I get out there and I I don't even know what's going on. I can't get responses. Uh, you know, just last week I was talking to someone who they had 
a back and forth for about three weeks with a company, finally got the uh, the call scheduled, and then the, they just never showed up. The company never showed up to the call and didn't get an apology or anything. So what what do you think is causing this, I guess, lack of humanity that is existing? Is it the technology? Is it just the the chaotic environment? What, what do you think is creating such a disconnect um, that is causing a need for us to bring more humanity back into the process? I think part of it is that many people, whether they're looking for work or they're looking to hire others, haven't been formally trained in how to do this. And that's there's no excuse for what you just described. That company should communicate with that candidate. That's a, a very simple, basic thing. Uh, but it, I think it happens because people mean well, they intend to get back, then they feel embarrassed. Uh, they think too much time has gone by. Again, it's no excuse. Uh, or, or there may be people out there who think, well, it, it doesn't matter because uh, I'm not going to, I don't need this person now. And that's deplorable. But um, I think the answer lies in focusing on relationships. And I, I find that the candidates who are clear about what they want and and work hard at making connections and building relationships to accomplish those career goals are the ones who have the most success and can overcome um, these kinds of dysfunctional examples that you just shared with us. And on the employer side, smart employers figure out that hiring is a branding experience. So the candidate that you spoke with, I'm sure uh, is a total professional, but they're going to remember the experience they had with that company. And they probably are not going to go on Twitter and Facebook and blast this employer, but I'm sure they'll talk about it with their, their friends and families. And that kind of um, uh, poor word of mouth is, is just so harmful to a company's reputation. So you can't take applicants for granted, uh, but you also, uh, you, you got you to remember that when you're out there hiring, you're creating an experience for applicants and you want it to be a positive one. That's so true. And I think one of the things that um, tends to happen in the discourse around careers and the job search is we sort of see an us versus them uh, narrative arise on LinkedIn, right? You get the the people advocating on the employer side being like, no, you know, companies, this is a tough process and we're doing our best. And then you see people on the employee side who are like, all these companies are just the worst and we need to you know advocate for the, the but it is a two-way yeah. street at the end of the day right yes. and i think sometimes we overlook the fact that you know there are not so great companies but there's also not so great uh candidates and and there's great companies and there's great candidates and and really what we are trying to encourage both sides do and what you, it sounds like you're trying to teach people to do with your work and with the the content you create and the education resources you put out there is how to be the best on either side that you're on and so what are some of those qualities like what makes someone uh, and, and you talked about the relationship building but maybe we can get a little bit deeper into like how how do you build these relationships what what is an appropriate relationship 
in this situation, right? Because it's, I think a lot of times people get a little bit confused with companies talking about we're family or maybe networking feels like, am I trying to make friends or, you know, what, what is a professional relationship and how does it look in this job search world when we're trying to put ourselves out there and talk to many companies and maybe it feels weird saying like, oh, I want to work at this place and I want to work at this place and I want to, but how do you be authentic in all those different interactions? So I'm curious when you're teaching people how to connect on a more human level, what are the things that they should be drawing on from within themselves and how should they show up? It begins with knowing what you want. And I, I find that the candidates who are clear about their job search goal uh, have the shortest and the most shortest searches and ultimately the most successful careers. And I, I get it. Sometimes you're uncertain about what you want, but I find uh, Martin that, when I talk with job seekers and uh, ask them more about their goals and their interests, usually they have a short list of two or three positions that interest them. And your challenge when you're looking for work is you've got to get uh, understand what you're going to focus on. And they often have a, a short list of companies too, uh, employers that could be nonprofits as well that interest them. So the more, if you, to get clarity about what you want, one of the best ways to do that is to go out and talk to people who are doing the work that interests you or are at the companies or organizations where you think you might want to work and ask them how they got there, what it took, what skills were required. Um, and yes, this is also called networking or informational interviews, but ultimately it's about two people having a conversation and helping each other. And the, the candidates I see who do that uh, get clarity fairly quickly about if they've got a list of three or four positions that interest them about the one that they're most excited about. They pay attention to the energy they feel. And as they have these conversations, and they this is not a, a lifelong research project, we're talking probably about three to five meetings, they get insights into what matters to employers, what skills are necessary. Um, they get experience talking about their own goals and, and experiences and, and, and strengths. And that helps them uh, be a, a much more successful candidate because then they focus their job search on what they want, not what they could do or what might interest them. And I, I feel passionate about this, uh, Martin, because I run a job board. I'm very proud of the value our our job listings offer both to employers and job seekers. Uh, but I meet people every day who are looking for work and I ask them, how's your search going? And they said, well, you know, I look at your site or this web page and every day. And, and, and I'm so grateful they do that. Uh, but I said, well, what else are you doing? And often that's all. And so they're waiting. They're not sure about what they want to do. So they're keeping their options open. They'll, they'll say they're looking at a wide range of possibilities. And that's not only exhausting, it's not going to be effective in the long run because you've got to make choices. And the clearer you are as a candidate about what you want, the more successful you're going to be. I, on the employer side, I, I see, um, again, I'm, I'm grateful for the business we have, but I see a lot of badly written job postings out there. And I see people... Uh, organizations um, publish these wish lists with uh, uh, ambiguous job titles, no salary range. Uh, and it's clear that 
somebody whose job is something else has been asked, been put in charge of recruitment, they they just are not familiar with the best practices that uh, are going to help them attract the best candidates. Um, and so uh, the, the clearer they get about that, the more success they're going to have. Um, and I appreciate you talking about those best practices because, you know, there's there's best practices and there's rules, right? And I think yeah. um, I've recently heard that there might be some laws changing, like maybe in New York, um, there's laws around uh, having to post salaries. Have you heard anything about those changing um, best practices or, or rules when it comes to posting jobs? There are about a dozen states and communities around the country in the United States that now require uh, what's called pay transparency. If you post a position, you've got to include either a salary or a salary range. I think it's a really good thing uh, for employers and for job seekers. And here's why. Uh, there's research that shows uh, that when candidates look at postings, they're much more likely to uh, respond to a, an advertisement if the salary range is included. Um, and what I hear from employers all the time is I'm not getting enough applications. Well, if you're looking for a way to increase the number of applications you want to receive, including a salary range is a good idea. Um, it's also the right thing to do. And in the end, every employer has a budget for a position. Uh, so why not share what that range is? And often I'll hear, well, I, I want to test the market and, um, uh, let's see, let's see what we can get, but you should do that work as an employer before you post the position. You should understand what the market is paying, and I always encourage employers: if you want to get the best people, don't just pay the market rate; pay a little bit above. Uh, that way, you'll attract the best candidates. But if you don't know what the salary range is, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. And if you don't include it in the in the posting. Uh, you're 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 going to get fewer applications, and likely they're not going to be from the 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 candidates you hope to attract. Yeah, or you'll get to the end of the process and find out, oh wow, we just spent a lot of time interviewing someone that doesn't even want this range. Now you mentioned yeah. something there that I think is so um, so interesting, and it's it's this concept. I you know I'm I'm on the coaching side, right? So I always hear from the candidate who says. I just keep seeing the same jobs over and over again, or they posted a job and then they took it down and then they reposted it. Um, I just can't find enough jobs to apply to. Like I get that. And then you just mentioned that on the hiring side, you hear there's just not enough applicants for the jobs that we're posting. And it seems to be one of those things where it's like, how could both of those be true? Right? How is it possible that the companies can't find people and the people can't find companies. There must be some sort of disconnect or something that's not connecting. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Like what, what do you think might be happening behind the scenes there? Are people using the wrong keywords? What, what might it be? Well, I think we're recording this in November of 2022. It is a job seekers market and it hasn't been this way probably since the 1970s. So we have a record unemployment rate and it's a good time for candidates. Uh, and it, it means that you there are so many more opportunities. Um, and I, I do think the employers are seeing fewer applications because it is a job seekers market. Um, so, but to your point about why candidates aren't seeing enough positions, I think they're out there. 
um, I would challenge the, the, the people you work with to, uh, I, I would wonder if they have a short list of companies and are crystal clear about where they want to go. Because there are, in any state, thousands of employers. And if you want to spend time on the big national job boards, you can find lots and lots of opportunities. But uh, it's the right opportunities that I think people are looking for. And they are out there. Some never get publicly posted, as you know, Martin. Uh, they get filled through word of mouth and uh, through referrals. They're part of what's called the hidden job market. Uh, and it's it's real, uh, and you need to pay attention to it, uh, not just to job boards like mine with the publicly posted positions. And the, the candidates who know what they want and have a short list of employers and who are spending their time having conversations with people inside those organizations are uncovering those jobs every day. If all you're doing is sitting in front of a computer and looking at job boards like mine, please come. And you should, there are lots of opportunities there, but you're making your search harder and longer than it has to be if you're not stepping away from the computer and going out and talking to the your target employers um, at, at the organizations where you want to work. Absolutely. And and you mentioned um, that people are maybe not finding it because they don't, they're not looking quite in the right way. And I think part of that plays into... Um, the job listings also not being always the best written. And so you've got some job listings that aren't written well, or maybe are too wish listy and um, kind of scare people off too. I think maybe a lot of people, when they say, I can't find anything, what they're really saying is I don't feel qualified for anything. And that's that imposter syndrome piece that comes in. And I'm curious when someone sits down and looks at a job posting, what should they be looking at? How should they analyze that job posting to see whether or not it's something that they should apply to or not and not self-select out? Because I think maybe that, you know, you read something that says you need three plus years experience for an entry-level job. That's always the cliche, right? And someone might not apply to that because, you know, they don't have one thing in the skills section, right? And so how would you, if you sat down with someone and you said, all right, we're going to pull up five job descriptions and go through them, how would you analyze those job descriptions and how should someone maybe compare themselves to the job description to know whether or not it's worth their time to apply? Well, let's talk about it in two parts. First of all, job postings are a great primary source for research when you're doing a, a job search. Uh, if you're trying to understand what employers in your market are paying for a particular position, spending time collecting 10, 15, 20 uh, uh, postings for the job that interests you, it's going to give you great insights, not only into what the market is paying, but what qualities, skills, and experiences are, are matter to employers. And that, when you have that information, it's going to make you a better candidate because you'll uh, understand what the job you want pays and you'll be able to point to um, your market research, not what you think you deserve or what you want, but what uh, an employer's competitors are paying for a position. It also gives you good insights into uh, uh, preparation for uh, for interview preparation, because then you can understand uh, what skills and qualities and experiences matter and highlight those in your in your conversations. 
Um, I think, uh, yeah, th that's the first part. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Can, we, can you remind me what the question was? And could Absolutely, we yeah. And it's, no, it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, I threw a lot at you, so that's on me. Um, Thank you. They, the, when you sit down to look at a job board, and I think you hit on a lot of really oh, good things, right? Yeah. Um, how do you analyze it? Because I think a lot of people are self-selecting out of the yeah. of the application process and one of the things yeah. that i say to people is like if it has the title you're interested in spend the 10 right. minutes to apply like don't overthink it i think we maybe are overthinking things and i'm curious yeah. you know how do we stop that overthinking in your mind well that's the second part which is this martin uh you're looking at a position and you're you're wondering should i apply i don't have 100 percent of the qualifications uh, what recruiters and hiring managers tell me again and again and again is if you got 60 to 70%, apply. Uh, so uh, this is also, um, you know, uh, there's a gender difference here too, according to the research. Men are much more likely to apply for positions for which they don't have 100% of the qualifications versus women. But whatever your gender Again, if you meet that test, 60 to 70%, what recruiters and hiring managers tell me is that's what they're looking for. So the next question, obviously, is, well, why are there all these other uh, qualifications in there? Why not just limit it to what you really want? Uh, there's, you know, employers recognize they're not going to get 100%. So they, um, and I think the smart ones don't have wish lists, but they they do write postings that uh, list the most important qualifications required. And then they also recognize, Martin, that they're probably, they're not going to get 100% of that, but they they want, uh, they're going to have to help people learn those skills and experiences, but they recognize that to thrive in this job and, and make a, the most important contribution to the company, eventually it's going to take all of those experiences and qualifications. I love that. And when it comes to the other part that you brought up earlier, um, you know, we talk about the job board here because you run a job board, but you also mentioned that there's a lot of other activities that go into this, right? And um, I, I have a couple of questions that I want to dig into. The first one is, what are the typical statistics that people should expect when it comes to the job board? Um, you know, let's say you send out 100 applications. What should your expectation be on response rates? Like if we looked at it as a marketer. Well, I think you should focus on quality, not quantity. I am not a fan of the idea that it's a numbers game, that I'm going to sit down on Monday and spend the next five days uh, grinding out 50, 75, 100 resumes and hope that something sticks in the wall. I think, you, again, it goes back to being clear about what you want. What are your goals? And if you don't have that clarity, you, you need to invest the time to do it. Uh, to figure it out. And because once you have that clarity, Martin, then you can focus on the jobs that you want and the, and the employers that you um, are, are most excited about working for. Again, I'm, I'm in the state of Oregon. There are tens of thousands of places where I could work, but, uh, or, or a candidate could work, but there's probably only a, sh you know, 15 or 20 organizations that a candidate would be really excited to be at. There's a, a fellow, he, go, he uses, uh, he runs a site called Ask the Headhunter, Nick Corcadillas. He talks about, uh, he, he encourages job seekers not to chase jobs, but chase companies. 
So if you're excited about uh, the mission of, a, of an employer, a nonprofit, a private company, talk to people inside that organization and, and, and identify where you might make a difference. Because this goes back to our original point, relationships matter so much in hiring. And the best way to build relationships is through conversations and meetings and, and um, uh, contact with others. It's not by responding to a posting on a on a job board. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't apply for jobs uh, on sites like mine, but you need to do the, the, the research up front about your goals and the target employers that you want to focus on, and then pay attention to the postings that do come up on sites and apply for those. We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now, back to our show. Um, let me tell you a story about a, a lady who I interviewed on my podcast. She was from Washington, D.C., and she came out to Portland, Oregon. She was a trailing spouse. Um, her partner had found a job out here. And she had a great job in Washington, D.C. She was um, deputy communications director for Chuck Schumer. So she had an amazing network on Capitol Hill in Washington. Um, but she didn't know anybody in Oregon. So she arrived uh, in, a, I think, in January. And she spent the next five or six months uh, uh, talking to people uh, in the areas that she had focused, uh, identified that interested her. She was particularly interested in working utilities. She had probably 90 conversations. And she told me in our conversation on my podcast that she applied for three jobs and she got offers from all three. So I tell that story because I meet people all the time who tell me that in the course of six months or more, they applied for 100, 200, 300 jobs, but maybe they got one or two interviews and you know, um, uh, maybe an offer or two. And that's, and that's good. But what this person, her name was Elizabeth, had at the end of that was not only the job she wanted, when she got the offer, because she spent so much time talking to people about different organizations, what uh, the positions were like, what they paid, she knew it was a good offer. She also had a network that was going to serve her for years to come because she'd met with almost 100 people. If you send out 100 resumes, that's not a network. That's um, that's just um, you know it's important. You got to apply for positions, but you're not you're not creating relationships there. You're not making connections. And so uh, I would uh, I, to your original point, I would focus on quality, not quantity, and uh, don't focus on sending out a lot of applications. Focus on your goals, your target companies, and building relationships. Uh, inside those organizations. And yes, look at websites and job boards to identify upcoming opportunities and make sure you apply for them. But when you do, you should have a connection inside that organization so you can reach out to them and say, hey, I just um, sent in my resume. 
what insights do you have? Or even better, before you send in the resume, what can you tell me about the, the challenges and needs of this employer so I can reflect that in my application? I love that. Yeah, it's 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 not one or the other. It's both together, right? And I think yeah, I think that's where people struggle because they they think, well, I I'm desperate. I need a job. I need a job yesterday, yeah. right? So I'm just going to go to the job boards. So it's the fastest way, and it seems like it's going to be much faster than networking, which seems a lot slower and and you know a lot more difficult. But the truth is, you know, anytime I see someone only use job boards purely with nothing else, it's over a year of job searching. Anytime yeah. I see someone switch to networking in tandem with the job boards that's when things start to really move. And I think I really appreciate you breaking that down because there's so much that this hidden job market piece that you mentioned earlier. And I think um, people don't really understand that. I think typically it's something like 80% of jobs are found through internal referrals or something along those lines. And I always tend to tell people it's like a one to 5% response rate from job boards. Now that depends on seniority. It depends on what job board it depends on a million other things. But, you know, I was talking to someone the other day and they were like, really down and they thought that they could never get a job and i laid out a few statistics for them and they wrote back to me and they're like wait so i am doing well <laughs> I, I i am getting good response rates i just thought response rates were supposed to be in the 80 90 percent i'm like yeah. if, if you ever talk to a marketer like there's no way you're getting an 80 90 percent open rate on anything right and so you know i think it just helps people who maybe don't have those insights into what it looks like to do any kind of communications outreach or anything like that. And yeah. I think one of the most interesting things I want to dig into next is the job search. I'm curious what your thoughts on this, because the job search, you know, as we teach it and, and you, you share a lot of great resources with job seekers and with companies, but you know, there's a lot of how to, how to job search out there, right? I teach stuff that so everyone teaches stuff, but um, the resources don't, they they kind of need to be interpreted a little bit by the individual, right? So if someone says, this is the one right way to network, but I'm not that kind of person or like, you know, I think probably the biggest thing you see right now is everyone should be a content creator. It's like, okay, maybe if you really like to make content or you're like naturally good at it, but like, I wouldn't take you know, one of my clients who's the biggest introvert and can barely sit through a coaching call and tell them to go make a podcast. I think that would be a pretty bad piece of advice to give. So I'm curious when it comes to the job search process from figuring out what you want to do to connecting with people and building those relationships to applying and interviewing, feel free to dig into any area that, that you feel is appropriate. How do we adapt the job search to our strengths? How can someone really tap into their strengths so that they don't get into this mindset of, I'm not doing it right. This is the proper way to job search and I'm failing because I can't even do what is quote unquote proper. I think there's a lot of different ways to do it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. I think the best way to figure that out is to talk to people who have had success looking for work and uh, ask them what worked for them, but also raise your own particular challenges. You know, often uh, I'll hear from introverts, well, I, I can't network. And because the, often there's a misconception about what uh, these skills involve that, that people may believe there's only one right way to do something. So uh, the classic example when it comes to networking is people think, well, 
Uh, networking means going to a function room at the airport Holiday Inn, wearing a loud uh, jacket and passing out as many business cards as you can and collecting as many. And that's uh, uh, that. That's how you network. And that's, of course, not true. If you're an introvert and you want to network, you can go, again, you perhaps you, you you know what your goal is, the 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 position you want. You decide that you want to uh, connect with uh, leaders in your profession. There's a um, professional organization with a local chapter for your field, and you're not going to speak or give a presentation uh, unless that's something you uh, want to do. But if you're an intro introvert, how do you network? Well, you could sign up as a volunteer and you could be the person at the front desk uh, checking in guests as they uh, collect their tickets or, or check in at the front desk. Um, maybe you're a good photographer and you volunteer to take pictures uh, that can be used on the, uh, the chapter's website. There are a lot of ways to, to uh, get involved, but the benefit of it is the same as somebody who gives gets up and gives a, a PowerPoint presentation. You're making connections, you're building relationships, you're showing people what you can do. And uh, I, I would say to the people who are, are uh, uncertain about how to network, play to your strengths. There are things you're good at. So if you uh, want to get involved in a professional group in your field, um, identify volunteer opportunities that will allow you to do that. Uh, if you're getting ready, if, if there are people you want to learn from uh, and you want to have a conversation with them, you know how to have a business meeting and approach a, an informational interview or a networking meeting as a business meeting. You're calling the agenda, you're in charge uh, and run it that way. Uh, this is, uh, I find this is something every professional knows how to do. Uh, and 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 treat it that way. Don't think of it as well. I've I've got to be that guy in the loud jacket out at the airport Holiday Inn. That's so on point. And you know, I've I remember I went through a phase where I thought I had to be the guy in the loud jacket, more loud jacket. It it didn't yeah, really do much yeah. for me, right? It's like okay, there's that, but there's so many other ways to do it. And I do think everything you yeah. called out there, from volunteering to getting involved, like show, don't tell. I think a lot of times, or right. um, yeah. you know, connect in the way that you you normally would. And I think even even kind of more out there things that like Discord groups or. You know, I had one client who's like, oh, I found opportunities through the Clash of Clans Slack group. It's like some video game. I don't know anything about it, but, you know, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of creativity out there and people are, yeah, I think just tapping into your own interests and curiosities and, and creativity will will lead to the best outcomes, especially like you're saying, it's, you know, we want to find, we don't just want to network for the sake of networking. I think a lot of times the um, advice is like, just go out and meet people and like do it. And I, I think I did that in college quite a bit where I didn't even know what I was supposed to talk to this person about. I just knew I was supposed to talk to people. And then you feel like you're wasting people's time and you, you know, but if, if you're genuinely interested in something, um, you know, I have a client right now who's really into crafty things like laser cutters and, um, you know, all sorts of different crafty things. I'm like, just, you've got to join a bunch of crafting organizations. And then while you're there, talk to other people about what they do for work. And some of them might be involved in, you know, the company that makes the laser cutter, who knows, like, we don't know where it's going to lead. And I think that's part of the fun of it. And I, and I'm curious, you know, 
as you've seen people navigate their careers and help them in all these different ways, you know, a lot of times the whole job search sit, you know, process is looked at as such a bummer, right? It's this horrible thing that we have to go through in order to get where we want to go. And I, I think that's a missed opportunity sometimes because there is a lot of fun to be had if we're clear with our goals and if we can lean into that curiosity. And I'm curious, have you come across any any situations in where you've seen people really embrace the job search and have more fun with it? What are some things that they might be doing or what have you seen in your own career that has been the most interesting, fun or engaging approach to, to growing and, and developing? Well, I think the people who have success in a job search and have fun along the way have a strategy. Uh, so once they have that clarity about their goal and they have those that list of target employers, and I keep hammering on that because you, you know you could apply to thousands of positions, but they're probably only um, a couple dozen that are that are going to allow you to shine. So once you've done that work and identified those opportunities and and where they might be, then you need a strategy to reach out and build relationships with people inside those organizations. There's, a, if you read, it, I'm so glad you brought up the example, Martin, of yourself. You know, going out thinking, "Well, I need to network. I'm not sure why I'm here, but I'm I'm networking." If you go to an event or you ask someone for a meeting, there's a reason. Why? What is it that you hope to get from that conversation? Uh, or from showing up at that event. Um, how is it going to help you uh, uh, learn about the opportunities that uh, you're excited about uh, or make connections or uh, build relationships inside the organizations where you think you want to work? Uh, you need to answer that question before you hit the RSVP button on the Eventbrite invitation uh, or you send an email asking someone for coffee. Don't ask people to pick their brain. There's a reason why you want to be in that room with them. And if you don't have the clarity about, or the answer rather, that's okay. Just figure it out. What is it at the end of the conversation that you hope to walk away with? Um, and when you do that, and you have that, those goals and those targets and that strategy figured out, I'm not going to say it's uh, looking for work as, you know, a vacation or fun, but it 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 becomes um, productive and successful, and that that does bring ultimately the opportunity to do work that brings you joy, and that and that is something you need to remember. That's the end result, and that you got to keep your eye focused on that prize. Right, and that and that's really success. It's that success loop, right? Having a good interaction brings more energy, which leads to better interactions. Versus, right. you know, applying to a job, not hearing back, and then just slowly kind of burning out. Um, when it comes to uh, building those connections, having those conversations, are there any sort of is there any advice you have around like topics to talk about? Because I think there's a cliche in the coaching world, which is if you ask for a job, you'll get advice. But if you ask for advice, you'll get a job. And I find that to be such a fun little phrase. But, you know, when you say the objective, I think a lot of times I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, my objective is a job. And so the first thing they do is say, here's my resume. Do you have a job? Right. And it, right. we can make a million parallels to the dating world. But I'm curious what what your thoughts are on tone and topics and maybe how to approach these things and these conversations in a way that is going to lead to the best outcomes for everyone involved. 
Well, if you're asking someone for what's often called an informational interview, or sometimes it's a networking meeting, there's a reason why you want to meet this person. And you need to be clear about what it is. And usually you want to get an insight from them into um, something that's important to your job search. Maybe you're, you want to switch careers and this person was in the same field as you and they're now in the field that you want to be in. So you probably have four or five questions that you want to ask them about how they did that, what barriers they had to overcome. Um, maybe they, this person works in a field, um, uh, the same field as you, and you're trying to identify organizations that might be hiring soon, that might be growing, who are doing interesting things. Those are specific questions. And you think this person will have insights uh, into that. So that's another reason why to ask for a meeting. Perhaps um, you're hoping for an introduction. You see that this person uh, knows people at uh, organizations where you want to work and you want to start building relationships with people inside those uh, companies. That's a third reason to ask. So once you you, you have clarity about the reason, um, you got to think about how you're going to run this meeting. Again, it's a business meeting. You're in charge. You're asking for it and you're and you got to lead the agenda. So that means uh, I, I find a successful model, is to break it into three parts, Martin. Um, and you can do this in 20 minutes uh, or 30. I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in short meetings. And the three parts are, first, you want to introduce yourself, share your goals, and tell your story. And you can do that with practice in three to four minutes max. The second part is you want to... Uh, discuss those specific questions. Again, there's a reason why you wanted to meet with this person. She or he will have some insights or can make introductions. And you want to ask those questions. Um, and the third part is uh, really asking for those introductions if you haven't already done so, because you want to grow your network. And so when you, at the end of that meeting, people will say, well, I didn't get a job. Uh, I didn't, uh, but what, here's what you accomplished when you walk out the door, this person knows who you are, what you want. Uh, they've given you insights into the positions or the field or the employers that you're chasing. And they've also given you introductions, uh, to people that are going to help you learn about other opportunities. And, you know, occasionally people in these conversations will say, well, have you talked to so-and-so? I hear they're hiring. Um, so that's how you tap into the hidden job market, but that's also how you grow a network. And that's also how you get the information that's going to make you a much stronger candidate when you're negotiating for a position, because you know what the market is paying for positions, uh, what matters to the employers that you're uh, getting an offer from. And that those are all huge advantages. Such an important thing. And I think we can even, you know, one thing I recommend folks to do is at the end of the call, you can even plant some seeds, right? You know, who would you recommend I chat to next? Are there any right. connections based on our conversation that you think would be good for me to pursue? Or um, if a job were to open up in the future, would you be willing to pass along my resume is always a great question to ask in case it's, it doesn't put pressure on them today, but it keeps the door slightly open. Right. And I think um, 
I really love what you broke down there and keeping it really conversational. I think the next thing that people struggle with is how do you maintain those relationships or how much do you need to maintain those relationships over time? I know early in my career, I got advice that it's like, you should find articles and send them to people uh, every two weeks. So after after meeting like 150 people, <laughs> I was like managing a massive spreadsheet of follow-ups. <laughs> like this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, what would you recommend um, when it comes to maintaining your network that you're building? Well, here's a very simple thing to do. You will find a job. It might take three, four, five, six months, but you will find a position. And when you do, Take out that list of people that you met with, whether it was 25, 30, 50, send them a personal email. I can't, I uh, do informational interviews all the time. And, I'm, uh, and I can count on one hand every year, the number of people I hear from who, who do that. Uh, and they stand out and I know, ah, this is somebody I'm going to run across. Second, some of this happens organically, Martin. Um, if again, you're clear about, the job you want, the the field you're focusing on, you're going to keep meeting these people if you stay in that field for years to come. Uh, I, and I speak from personal experience. I came out to Oregon 30 years ago, and uh, I did just what Elizabeth did, which was 100 informational interviews in six months. And I've run across those people again and again. Some have hired me, some I've, I worked with. Um, some I just see around town, but they're all people, they're valuable connections. And, you know, going back to informational interviews, the real value of these conversations is you're building relationships. And that brings us back to what we started from in the beginning and what drives us at MaxList. It's about making hiring more human because relationships and referrals and contacts matter. Um, sometimes I tell people that and they get worried, well, I didn't go to a fancy school or I don't know anybody. We all know everybody and we can all, we all have relationships. We just have to make sure that when, that we're, um, when we're looking for work, that we're paying attention to those relationships and letting people know that we're looking and how they can help. Right. Yeah. And you know, the best time to build a relationship was 20 years ago, but the second best time is today, right? A good old cliche. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) And I do think that it's so, it's so true when we're sitting here and we're like, okay, this, uh, this is going to be a journey, but you know, if you start doing the work and you continue to do it over time, it gets more and more easy because I do think that, you know, if you're, I, I even say when you get a job, don't stop networking, right? You might pull back on it, but um, you never want to be in a position where you're starting from scratch all over again. And really, we're never totally starting from scratch. But, um, you know, I, I agree with you 100%. The people that you meet, you keep running into and you don't have to necessarily force it. And and that's a really important thing. A lot of this stuff we try to force, try to force ourselves to network in a certain way or force ourselves to interview in a certain way when being natural is what tends to showcase confidence and being confident is what tends to get you um, looked at the most. And even a quiet confidence is a very good, <laughs> is a very good way to be if you're an introvert. And, um, you know, I was just walking on the lake recently and ran into someone who I've, you know, bumped into a thousand times before. And we're like, Oh my gosh, let's get coffee, you know? And so these, these, these folks don't go away. And I, and I think that that's an important piece 
of the puzzle. And I really appreciate you calling that out. When it comes to some of the more technical pieces, um, I think people get really worked up in the job search trying to make things perfect, right? I need to make my resume perfect, so I'm going to edit it a thousand times. Uh, now I know that ATS systems are a thing, right? Applicant tracking systems are a thing, so I need to put it through job scan. And, uh, you know, you put it through job scan, and job scan says you have a 60% do these things. You do those things, and you have a 50% now. And you're like, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> so I'm curious, can you give a, a little bit of a breakdown of maybe the behind the scenes, the inner workings of what a job board looks like from the hiring side that might be helpful for a job seeker who is getting a little bit too in their head when it comes to the tactics? Well, many sites um, will have positions posted and the when you apply, you're typically asked to provide a, a cover letter and resume and often the application materials will go straight to someone's email and particularly with smaller employers with fewer than 25 uh, staff. And you want to pay attention to your cover letter and your resume. And you really do want to customize your application. And that doesn't mean rewriting it from scratch, but you probably need to tweak it uh, your resume, maybe 10%, spend 20 or 30 minutes on it. And you want to make sure that your cover letter is addressed uniquely to that employer. Um, that's another reason why it's quality over quantity. Uh, you, you can't crank out hundreds of resumes or send the same resume to every employer. Um, if you did, you're, you're not going to get a great response because employers want to hire people who are excited about their job and their mission and, and what it is their organization does. And your resume and your cover letter need to reflect that. Um, larger employers use applicant tracking systems, and these are our software packages that receive application materials and then allow that employer to move that information around to different members of the hiring team. Sometimes, uh, often there's an HR department that coordinates uh, the hiring process, but the hiring can be in the hands of a um, of a manager who's got a regular job, and they also might be responsible for not only the review of applications and the ultimate hiring decision, but communicating with candidates. Um, applicant tracking systems can make it very easy to communicate with candidates. But it's not uncommon to hear from applicants that they're not hearing back. And uh, that's, uh, as we talked about, a terrible, um, uh, that creates a bad experience for applicants and, and, uh, and uh, really it's not good for the brand of any employer. Um, I think you do want to pay attention to keywords when you're creating application materials, but don't overthink it uh, and write for humans, not for robots. Uh, again, Applicant tracking systems are simply a software algorithm and package, um, and real people will look at your material. And so you would, you want to make sure that you're writing for them, not for uh, some some robot that uh, really doesn't exist. Yeah, and it's it's one of those tough things because I went to an event two nights ago, and a recruiter was speaking, and they went on a 
on a bit of a, uh, they got asked the question about cover letters and and they said, I never read them and don't write them. And, and, you know, they went down that road, but, uh, but they would very much agree with you to the point of write it for people, not for robots. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of opinions out there and people get a little bit confused. And I always say, you know, you have to take it application by application. You can't just take one answer yeah. and run with it. But, um, but to your point, it's like, I do think that being personable and trying to find networking connections in the company, I think that that recruiter would agree with all of that as well. And I think really at the end of the day, cover letters aren't that hard to write. You just get a good template and, you know, yeah. you just kind of adjust it, but you just got to make it personable. And, and I, I appreciate you talking about the customization side of things. Um, when it comes to mindsets, and I think we can maybe wrap on this question, but when it comes to thinking about the job search in a positive and productive way, is there anything you would want, you would recommend people try and reframe or look at from a different perspective when it comes to working on job, working with job boards, working with networking, when it comes to just having a little bit more of a positive outlook on things, maybe they've been rejected a few times. You know, earlier you said you will get a job eventually. And I think sometimes people don't fully trust that, even though we all know there's so many damn companies that you're going to find a place to work. Yeah. But what what maybe um, hopeful thought or reframing of a, of a mindset would you want to leave people with as they get back out there and start sending in those applications and building those networking relationships? Don't wait to be picked. Don't wait to be picked. If you're clear about what you want and where you want to go and what you offer, then you can be confident that uh, any employer is going to be lucky to get you. But the the people who struggle uh, uh, I don't have that clarity. So again, I, I know I keep coming back to this, do that work. Uh, and then when you do it, then it changes the dynamic of the job search because instead of sitting down at the computer every morning at nine and seeing what's been posted, uh, and again, you, you need to look at websites, uh, but it should be in support of your goals and what you offer. But instead of waiting to see what's been posted, you know where you want to go and you're out there actively uh, looking for the opportunities that are going to help you make a great contribution and, and also get the professional satisfaction that, that uh, we all deserve from doing great work. Uh, but it, it, it starts, Martin, with not waiting for someone to pluck your resume out of a pile, um, but instead knowing that this is who I am, where I want to go, what I offer, and I'm going to go not only apply for jobs that I see online that allow me to do that, it's probably going to be a small number, but I'm also going to go out and talk to people uh, and and get in front of those employers that I'm excited to work about, to work for rather, and uh, for positions I know where I can make a difference and make a huge contribution. And when an employer sees somebody like that, they're excited to have them on their team, but they're all but you're also going to have such a much more rewarding career. So remember, you have so much to offer. And you don't have to wait to be picked. Uh, go out and be clear about what you want and you can make it happen. 
I love it. And how can folks find what you've been working on, what you've got out there? Uh, feel free to share with the, the community uh, how they can engage with your work. Well, two ways. We, uh, we're, our website is maxlist.org, and the job postings that you'll find there in Oregon and Washington, um, many of them are now uh, available to remote workers, so they might be of interest to uh, to your listeners. But there's also a whole section we call learn, maxlist.org slash learn, where you'll find hundreds of articles about how to look for work. I also host a weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job, and we just celebrated our seventh anniversary. And every week I talk to a different career expert about the nuts and bolts of job search. We get pretty granular, Martin, but we find listeners are looking for that practical, actionable advice. Uh, and I would encourage your listeners to uh, to join us. And I, I just want to commend you on your show. You're doing great work here. And it's such an honor to to be a guest. Very kind of you. It's an honor to speak with you. And I appreciate you sharing everything with the community. I hope everyone goes and checks out your site and gets to use those resources to take their job search to the next levels. Thank you so much for being here today, Mac. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you found this conversation to be helpful, please like and subscribe wherever you are listening. We also appreciate it if you take the time to leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help us spread the word and get these ideas out to more job seekers looking to build their careers and improve their lives just like you. If you'd like to learn more about career therapy and see our different coaching options, you can head over to careertherapy.com to learn more. Thank you again for stopping by. We wish you all the best in the future of your career. Have a good one.